of the vineyard for three years now. I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Give me one more year. Give me one more year. I'm going to dig around this tree. I'm going to show this tree some extra love. I'm going to put some fertilizer into it. And in ancient days, we know what that was. I'm going to put some manure into it. We're going to feed the tree. More importantly, we're going to till the soil, make the soil around the tree healthy. Give me one more year. One more year, some extra love, extra attention, extra nutrients, extra food for the soul of this tree, and let's see what happens. One more year. I really think this parable could be a parable for, for an individual, for your life, for my life. I think there's time to time we need to step back and we need to say, is this life producing fruit? Am I where I want to be? And it could be a parable for the church. As a local church, as a local church, how are we doing? Are we producing fruit? Are we producing fruit? Where are we at? Or do we need from time to time, or I would argue all the time, somebody to do a little digging, a little fertilizing to see some new life, to grow, to flourish, to be healthy, to impact our community. In October 2015, my wife and I attended a conference where they were trying to assess people, assess pastors, spouses, because a lot of times ministry, well, all the time, ministry happens together, is they're trying to assess whether people, there's certain people who are called to revitalize churches. Now, a lot of these churches back in, in 2015 when we were looking at this, the idea was that these, there's churches out there who are, who are like this tree. Somebody has come along and said, hey, this thing hasn't produced fruit in a long time. It probably needs to close its doors. And so they tried to find suckers like me <laughs> to go in and see if we could do a little digging, a little fertilizing, if we could say one more year, one more year. It's interesting to think about the health of a church, to think about the life of a church like this tree and, and to use this metaphor and this parable of digging and fertilizing and really flush this out and see what this looks like. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is where are we at? Can we take a step back and really assess where are we at? And then as individuals, can you, can you take a step back and say, where am I at? Am I like this tree or, or maybe not quite? Now, at this revitalization assessment, I don't even know what to call it sometimes. I'm like, conference, wasn't really a conference. Revitalization assessment is what I will call it. There you go. They, uh, this was part of a program in our denomination, our, the covenant denomination, called Congregational Vitality. And there's this whole pathway. And I know at one point in history uh, of this church, uh, some people were checking this thing out and did, I think, step one, which is called Veritas. But at this thing, what they do, uh, the very first step is they try to help you. They try to help you as a church, the members of the church, the attenders of the church. They try to help you kind of assess where do we think we're at. And, and the tool is Veritas, and they, what they do is they kind of put you into these four corners, these four corners. Um, let me show you those. So the four corners are healthy, missional, 
healthy missional, where everything's firing on all cylinders. Stable, where, you know, you're doing pretty good. There's not significant decline, but you're not seeing, like, new people come to Christ. There's not a big growth. Stable. Critical moment, where, you know, we're at a place where, gosh, some decisions that we need to be made. Sometimes churches that are in that critical moment of, you know, we've been in big decline, and we haven't changed much, and we're still declining, and we feel like we need to hire a new leader or a new new leadership, a critical moment where it could go either way. And then the last one is at risk, where it's, it's close to closing the doors. Um, I have had friends who have been called to these churches that are at risk, and I've had friends who have closed the doors on these churches. And there's something holy about that, as sad as it is. There's something holy where new life can spring up from closing the church doors, selling the property, and letting somebody else do something new in that area or with those resources. At risk is the last category. So participants in the church are asked when they come to these events, when they come to uh, these congregational vitality events uh, in the local church and, and really uh, at the national level as well, to kind of assess for yourself where, where is your church at. And they uh, will often in these events say, like, if you think we're healthy missional, go to that corner. Stable, go to that corner. Critical moment, go to that corner. At risk, go to that corner. Don't move this morning. I'm not asking you to do that right now. <laughs> we may do this at some point. I'm kind of teasing this out. And so they ask people to go to these corners, and then they ask them to basically face the direction you think the church is headed, though. So you also get to see, like, hey, you know, I think we're at a critical moment but I think we're headed in a better direction. Or I think we're at a critical moment, and I'm not confident in where we're going. And it's, a, it's an interesting thing for people to kind of take the temperature of the church and kind of assess where are we at together and get a sense together, are there a lot of people in one section? How are people feeling about the life of the church? And, and this is not just for churches that are in those at-risk or critical moment categories. This is a healthy thing for any organization to do, lest you be like Blockbuster Video, who didn't see the writing on the wall, unless you're in Soldotna, Alaska, apparently. That's like the only Blockbuster Video in existence now. But you know, these organizations that didn't see the writing on the wall, didn't take the temperature, didn't check the pulse. Oh, Netflix, no way they're going to run us out of business. Who's going to do that? That's crazy. And bye-bye, Blockbuster. And so it's important for any organization to kind of check the pulse and say, where are we at from time to time? Are we doing what we want to be doing? Are we fulfilling the call? The, are, are, we, are, are we really connected to the, to the vision? You know, for the church, for most churches, it's pretty simple. You, you want to see people come to know Jesus. And for the people who are already here, we want to be fed. We want our souls to be fed and growing. And we want to be serving and giving back. It's pretty simple. Here at, at See, Me, See Me Covenant, we talk about gather, grow, and go, some basic language. And maybe you haven't heard that for a while, and that's my fault. I haven't put that in front of you for a while. But we gather as the people of God, and we allow people, if you uh, are a believer, not a believer, wherever you're out on that spectrum of faith development, come, gather, worship. And then we grow. We grow through Bible studies, grow groups, from life together through our youth ministry, our children's ministry, our men's and women's ministries. And then we go where we're serving inside, outside the church. We have our missions team that's always calling our attention to opportunities that are out there beyond our walls. 
gather, grow, and go. And so it's important for us to really just check the pulse and say, where are we at? Where are we at? Because it, it takes both someone to say, hey, this, this thing's, look at this tree. It's just taking up resources. It takes that person to call it out. I mean, the, the guy's not a bad guy in the parable, right? He's not a bad guy. He's, he's assessing. He's the gardener. He owns the vineyard, and he's saying, hey, there's some trees out there that aren't producing fruit, and they're taking up resources, and they're taking up space, and they might need to get cut down. But it also takes, maybe more importantly, it also takes an advocate, an intervener. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it, an interventionary. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. Somebody to step in, step in the gap, and say, no, give it one more year. I'm going to work the soil. I'm going to put some fertilizer in there because I think there's still hope. It takes both somebody to say, hey, let's take an honest assessment, and somebody to say, okay, we took the snapshot. We see where we're at. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Not to tell you, there's not a lot of people, <laughs> how do I phrase this? There's a lot of people who love to do on the other end when the, the thing is producing a ton of fruit and the, the fruit is hanging really low and you're just like, yeah, all day. You can walk along and just pick berries all day when they're producing fruit. It's like when I lived in Washington State, there would be blackberry bushes just wild and rampant and everywhere. And when those things were producing fruit, it was fun. It was fun. You just went along on a path and you're like eating blackberries for days and you don't even know what's going on. You're just eating blackberries. Now, when those things aren't producing fruit, have you ever seen a blackberry plant? I had some in my backyard that I had to get rid of up there. They are gnarly. They are nasty. We had an ultimate Frisbee course up there that was full of blackberries. It was not fun to throw your Frisbee in there. And a lot of people just said, like, no thanks. I just won't play anymore. So the point is that when, when the fruit is low-hanging, there's, there's people that are like, they love to jump in. They love to say, like, I'll do this. I remember in youth ministry, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, you know, seven, eight years into my run at my last church, you know, we had 50 kids coming to events. We had 50 kids going to Chick. We had 25 that wanted to go on a mission trip. We had all these kids, and everybody was excited, and all the, all the people in the church were like, how can I be a part of it? How can I go on these trips? Let me tell you, at the beginning of the ministry, there wasn't that. It was like, oh, it sounds kind of hard to hang out with like five kids. It's not that exciting. Not that much going on. So the question is, who are those people? Who are those people in our community sitting right here who are the ones that are wanting to step in and do that intervention work that says, like, I'm the advocate. I'm going to step in. I'm going to do the hard work. I'm going to do some digging, some tilling, some fertilizing so that somebody down the road can reap the benefit of the harvest. And you, you might, if you stick it out long enough, get to do both. And that's real exciting. That's real exciting. So the challenge is, how do we find folks today? How, how, what, where is God calling you? What do you sense when it comes to kind of being that interventionist, being that person who gets like, I, I feel like I'm seeing an area where I can step in. We've been talking about this over the last few weeks. Last week we talked about casting your nets in waters where maybe you haven't done it before. Maybe you haven't tried something, but you're feeling the voice of God asking you, calling you, nudging you urging you to try something new and you just haven't done it yet. 
Maybe it's an area where you, in particular, have been called by God to do some digging, do some fertilizing, do some fertilizing. Now, I want this morning to kind of take my own assessment as we think about where are we at as a church. Where are we at as a church? We have this awesome opportunity, I think, each and every fall as new ministries kick off. Our youth ministry just kicked off this last week. Our children's ministry is on a new curriculum now. All these opportunities to jump in and serve. Our missions team recently took a trip to Takati, and there's more opportunities to come and come alongside that team. Our men's ministry is doing this. Our women's ministry is doing that. The preschool, there's all these opportunities to jump in, to jump in and dig a little, fertilize a little. Where are we at? Now, I'm going to say that I don't think we're in this at-risk category. So just get that out of your head if you're like, oh, man, is he saying we're shutting the doors down next week if we don't do something? No. Not where we're at. I would even say I don't think we're in this like critical moment phase, this critical moment phase. I think we're probably somewhere in between that critical moment and stable. We're on our way to stability. Stability. But I want to tell you, my personal opinion is stability is boring. It's real boring. Um, I have worked in a church that was pretty happy being stable. And churches, I don't know if you know this, maybe, maybe you do know this, they don't like to take risks very often. It's kind of scary. Stable is like, hey, this is good. The money's coming in, the people keep coming, we're feeling pretty good. But the kingdom of God that Jesus describes that grows like a mustard seed is just out of control and it's growing and there's all this growth. I, that doesn't describe stable to me. That describes something where there's fire and energy and life and it's hard to contain and people don't know where it's going and you're just trying to wrap your mind around things and it's growing and growing. And that's where there's life, vitality, where, where people are flourishing and the church is flourishing. Stability, it, it's, it's a little bit, I don't know what the word is, constricting at times. In his book, Predictable Success, there's a guy named uh, Leonard McEwen who wrote this book, and he calls, uh, when an organization gets to stability, he calls it treadmill. Now, I don't know if any of you are like me and you're starting to train for this LA Marathon garbage that I signed up for. But I've been spending some time on the treadmill recently because it's too darn hot to go out there. And I want to tell you about a treadmill. You can get your work in, but this, the trick is, and I think you all know this, you don't go anywhere. It's weird. You're like, I am running five miles and going nowhere. The scenery's not changing. There's still the same darn things they're putting on the TV at 24-hour fitness. The people around me, sometimes they change because if you're on there long enough, they look at you like a crazy person for running on the treadmill longer than a mile. But treadmill, you just aren't going anywhere. You're working. You're doing the things you should be doing, but you're not going anywhere. He describes it this way. I think this is really interesting. He says, in treadmill, systems and process turn inward. And instead of protecting creativity and risk-taking, begin, those systems and processes, begin like a malevolent creature in a bad horror movie to wrap their tendrils around the organization's vision and entrepreneurial zeal and slowly choke it to death. 
This guy, Les McEwen, has worked with hundreds and hundreds of companies, huge companies. He's helped uh, revitalize companies. He's seen companies die. And he's seen that you get to this place of treadmill, and, and there was this excitement and creativity. There was digging, and there was fertilizing, and people were excited to be a part of that process. And sometimes they get to a place where they say, like, oh, we've done enough. We've done the hard work, and now I'll just stay here in treadmill. And everybody, you can be kind of complacent in that. You can be kind of happy with that. You can protect the status quo and attempt not to go back, regress. We don't want to go back. It'd be like the parable owners or the, the vineyard owner in the parable saying, I get it, you know, this tree's not producing fruit. It's taking up this space. But oh well. Oh well. At least it's not like falling over and hurting other trees hasn't hurt anybody yet. It's fine. We'll just leave it alone. We'll leave it be. And other people saying, no, I think it can do more. We can do more with this area. We can do more with this land. We can do more with, with, no, 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 no. It's just fine. Leave it alone. It's just fine. McEwen writes this as well. He says, in Treadmill, the organization, this is the one that really jumped out at me as, as the danger of stability. And the organization begins to lose the ability to learn as curiosity is replaced by the need for affirmation. Oh, no, you're just fine. Doing a good job. Keep it up. Oh, don't, don't, don't take risks. You're just fine. Experimentation is replaced by copying. Whoa. I've been in some churches where that's the thing. Like, did you see what the church down the street is doing? Why aren't we doing that? Well, maybe that's not for us. Maybe that's not. No, 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 no. They're doing it. We need to do that. There's, there's this temptation out there just to copy what people are doing and just do exactly what they're doing, and it doesn't always work. Experimentation replaced by copying, trial and error replaced by mandate. This is that, we've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way. Oh, I'd like to try something. No, 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 no. Something new? No, no, no. We don't do that here. It's been interesting for me to think about the churches I've served at uh, in, in my short ministry career now. I've served in four different churches, and, and to think about churches that were, were really at a critical moment, and after I, I left that church, things got rough, and now they've like really rebuilt and revitalized churches that were just quintessential, stable churches. It's, it's really interesting just to, to think about where did I see these things, losing the ability to learn, again, where people are like, no, we can't do that. Like, what if we did this thing? I remember being a young, um, I almost said stupid, I almost called myself stupid, but young, naive youth pastor who was like, we can reach the whole community if we just do this. Like, whoa, 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 slow down. We don't do that here. But it's the community, and there's these kids that I love, and these families, and if we just did this, no, 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 that's nice. They can keep coming to youth group. But we're not going to change Sunday mornings. But, okay. And I remember in my exit interview at that church saying, I've got this list of all these kids and these families that I've worked with for the last two years. What are we going to do? Who's going to follow up with them? Well, we've consistently had this problem. That is, nobody knows how to follow up with them. And so, 
I don't know, it is what it is. I remember these people in the, in the kind of exit interview saying this to me and just going like, you know that you have this thing and you have this opportunity to reach all these people for Jesus and you're like, eh, sounds like work. Sounds like we'd have to change some things. Eh, no thanks. They were stuck in treadmill, stuck in treadmill, copying copying what they had done for years, and it's, it was, you know, we don't do these things. So the question is for us, if you, if you start to think about us as a church, where are we at? I don't, I don't think we're stuck in treadmill. I think there's some good curiosity going on here. There's experimentation happening. I, I have to say uh, to all of you, I, I am so grateful and thankful that it's been over a year now, you know, when we, we stepped out and we said, we're going to do something different in worship. And that was hard. That was hard. Those are hard conversations. I think about the life that I see in our folks who are volunteering and blessing us with music and just the, the growth that we're seeing in that area. And I, I, just, I have to say thank you to all of you that you believed that we could do something different. Now, some of you probably were pretty skeptical. Some of you told me how skeptical you were. But I just got to say, like, you trusted and, and we're seeing some new fruit, and we did some digging, and we're still digging, and we're still fertilizing, and we're still figuring out what is it going to look like, and what will we do next? It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and there's going to be life, and there's going to be fruit, and we're seeing it already. I have a, 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 one of my favorite seminary professors, who uh, his name was John Weborg, the guy that we used to call Yoda. Um, I think I've told you about him before. I won't say more about that. Well, no, I now have to say more about that. So it sounds terrible because he had polio when he was young, and so he's pretty hunched over and really did look a lot like Yoda. He had a cane. He was super hunched over, little glasses that sat on the edge of his nose that he would kind of look down at you. And, but the man is like genius, 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 genius. He just looked at like, what is coming out of his mouth. I can't even compute it. I need more time. And we all thought it was rude that we were calling him Yoda until we heard one of the other professors call him Yoda. And they were like, okay, we're good. And he called him Yoda to his face. So we're like, okay, whew, this is the thing that's out there. We're good. Anyway, so Yoda, Master Yoda, John Weborg, he once said something that has stuck with me forever. He said every church, it, it blew his mind, it confused him why every church didn't have a research and development department. He's like, every, every quality organization, every healthy organization has some people who are constantly thinking about what do we do next, what are some new things. Healthy organizations are thinking about what is the future, where do we go. They're, they're over here tinkering and experimenting and coming up with ideas. And some of those ideas are, are probably terrible. And some of them are pure genius, and it changes the landscape of the organization. It allows it so Netflix takes off and Blockbuster, nobody must have been doing that, and they just went, bleh. They didn't realize they were at a critical moment, and they died. And so he's saying every church should have an R&D department. Every church should be having some people who are learning new things. I'm so excited right now that uh, Pastor Matt got us signed up for what's called the Growing Young Cohort. There's a group at Fuller Seminary who are studying, studying, and researching trends in young people. And the trends aren't great in terms of church attendance. 
in terms of the church's ability in the last, last decade or so, last two decades, to really reach this generation. And part of it is my generation. I've got friends who are walking away, walking out, not interested. Friends who I went to seminary with who are like not interested anymore, the church thing, forget it, I'm done, I'm out. And it hurts. And so they're starting this thing, Growing Young, where they're looking at churches who are doing an amazing job at reaching the next generation, and they're saying, how can we come together, not copy each other's practices, but how do we get a little cohort together to encourage each other? And our church is signed up. We, we have this awesome privilege of living close enough to Pasadena that we don't have to fly all these people into Pasadena. We can just drive over there. And it's an amazing opportunity. That's kind of the R&D type thing, the research and development. Let's get some people talking about what are we doing to reach the next generation? How far are we willing to go? Are we willing to say, let's try something new? Or is it going to be like, uh, that would be nice, but we've never done that before. So it's kind of exciting. It's exciting times around here. There's people that are doing these things. we got all these people running this marathon. And it's confusing to me why myself included am even interested in this. But people are saying, man, I think God is doing something. He's stirring in our hearts in some way. And we want to figure that out and see where this goes. And what will God do with all of these people in Simi Valley running a marathon so that kids in Africa can have water? What's God going to do with that? I don't know. But it's going to be real cool to see. It's going to be real cool. I want to kind of move towards a conclusion here by flipping the conversation, though, and really say let's talk about ourselves as individuals. Are, are you experimenting? Are you learning? Are you still curious? Are you, am I, tilling this soil of our hearts? Fertilizing the soil of our hearts? What nutrients are you putting into your own life? If you had to look, if we go back to this, as an individual, where are you at? As an individual, where are you at? You say, like, I don't know, kind of cruising along, pretty stable. Are you in treadmill? The scenery's not changing. You're kind of going like, I don't get it. Scenery's not changing. But what are you doing to till the soil of your heart? Fertilize your heart, your soil. Maybe you're at a critical moment where some things have been happening in life and, and relationships are different, finances are different, job is different. There's these moments. There's these moments where people ha have to make decisions about where am, what am I going to do with this? Or some people, just to be honest, they quickly move to at risk and they say, like, I'm done. I'm done with this whole God thing. I'm done. In those critical moments. And others, they press in. And it moves them towards health, and they learn and they grow because they believe that God can indeed make beautiful things out of the dust. Where are you? Where are you? Fertilizer is a fascinating science. I, I don't know much about fertilizer, and so I wanted to look it up, and I was thinking about this fertilizer metaphor that's used in the Bible. I'm just going to move ahead here on the slide so I can stop doing that. <laughs> Fertilizer is fascinating. I, there, there's three main components. I started doing some research. I don't know anything about fertilizer. So uh, use this metaphor on your own lives, on your own hearts, and on our church. Fertilizer is interesting. Three main components. Nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Nitrogen increases the plant's capacity to produce new stems, new flowers, new fruit. And it increases the speed at which the plant can grow. 
That's one benefit of fertilizer. Second, phosphorus helps plants produce organic stuff like oils and starch. See, I'm reading this from an article. Oils and starch, which are great for forming large, strong root systems. It's not all about what you see up above. It's about that soil and what's below. Is it connected? Is it firm? Is it strong? Because I got to tell you, when you're at that critical moment, if you don't have a strong root system connected to other people, connectivity to others, it's pretty easy to say, yeah, I'm just going over here. There's nobody with me and nobody cares, and I'm going over here. That strong root system, that's got to be a part of the fertilizer you're putting into your heart, into the soil of your life, something that's connecting you to others, connecting you in deep relationships with other people. That nitrogen that's producing new fruit, new flowers. And finally, potassium helps build protein to fight off diseases. Man, have we all got some diseases that want to impact us. There's so much negativity in our world right now, it is easy to take on some of those diseases. Be like, I'm just going to be bitter and angry. I'm going to be cynical and sarcastic. That is easy. That is an easy place to be. But you put a little fertilizer in there that fights off those diseases, that builds strong roots, that starts to produce new fruit. One article I read said this about fertilizer. It said, without nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, the plant simply cannot grow because it cannot make the essential pieces it needs to survive. It's like a car factory running out of steel or a road crew running out of asphalt. Take that metaphor and put it to your own life. What are the essential things you need, I need to survive and flourish as a human being created in the image of God? Especially if you're saying as a Christian human being who believes I'm being made new and I'm supposed to go out and impact my world. What are the things you have to put into the soil of your life so that you can make a difference? So that you can flourish? What are those things? Or are you like, am I like a car factory who's going, I'm trying, but there's just no steel around here. It's a weird deal. I'm trying to build a road, but I don't have any asphalt. How's that going for you? To quote Dr. Phil. How's that working out for you? But how many of us are in these places and we, like a church, need to step back and say, where am I? Am I in some sort of treadmill where I'm just doing the same things, but I'm not producing much fruit, and it just isn't all that exciting or interesting anymore? What's going on? Are you tilling the soil of your heart? Are you putting fertilizer in there? What is this fertilizer for the church? What is this fertilizer? If we want to get specific about it, for the human being who's trying to follow Jesus, are you in God's word? It's a simple thing. But I think that I I just fear as I look at, not not fear, fear is not, because you're not supposed to be afraid. So I'm not going to be afraid. (laughs) You throw some Christianese out there. There you go. But I worry as I see the statistics about the, the, the people who are reading the Bible less and less and less. And, and I start to worry because that's been the thing that's tethered me to faith through hard times. And I wonder, man, if my friends and the people around us aren't in God's word and they just don't even know how to touch it. Is, is there something that's building that root system? Or is that fertilizer in your life? Prayer. You know, last week we talked about hearing the voice of the Lord. Well, if we're not listening, if we're not making time to listen... How can we hear the voice? We're not making the time. Worship, 
There's a regular pattern of worship in your life that's feeding your soul. Are you serving in some capacity, giving of yourself in a way that is feeding your soul, producing fruit in your life where you're seeing, you just, you see the, the results of your efforts. It's not about like doing work to produce fruit, but just how, how God has created you. Are you giving that back so you're seeing other people flourish and that gives you joy? Where are you at? What are you doing to feed your soul, what are we doing as a church to dig, to fertilize? I want to conclude this morning just to give you an opportunity as we, as we turn to prayer to, to listen to the voice of the Lord. Maybe to take an assessment of our church and think about oh, these thoughts that I'm having. Where do, what role do I play? Am I that person that's, that's going to point things out and say, gosh, I just don't know about this thing, about that thing? Are you that person who's going to say, I am going to intervene? Where can I step in? I want to intervene. Wherever that's at, there's all these opportunities in the church to intervene, to get involved. You know, our men's ministry, part of what we want to do at this stakeout is really think like, what, what, what do we want to do as men to grow in our faith? How can we build a strong root system, connectivity as men following Jesus? How can we support each other so that we're not just, I mean, men have this awesome ability to be like, I'm good. I don't need to talk to anybody else. Dude, your life is falling apart. Oh, no, it's not. I'm good. I got this. Until it's really falling apart. And it's like, I don't got this. How do, how do we intervene ahead of time and say, hey, let's get together. Let's build some connectivity. Let's produce some fruit as men, as women. As people of God, how do, we, how do we help dig and fertilize so that our kids grow up to love Jesus forever? I mean, are we doing things, I'm so fascinated by this growing young and these studies, are we doing things that, that we are like, I, I ask this question all the time as a youth pastor, I was like, man, am I doing things that are setting this generation up for failure? Gosh, Lord, show me, show me what I need to be doing, show me the conversations I need to be having. So as we turn to the Lord in prayer, I, I, I believe that this morning, God is going to begin to stir the soil, turn the soil over. And then he'll reveal to us, he'll begin to reveal to us what is the fertilizer we need to put into our church and into our own hearts. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to listen to your voice. We have sung this morning, talked this morning about the righteous flourishing, producing fruit in their lives, Lord, and we know as, as your followers that that fruit isn't just our own efforts, not just us, because we're amazing. It's you, God. It's you at work in our lives, changing our lives that produces fruit through us. We also believe, Lord, that we have to open ourselves up to what you want to do with us. And so, Lord, in these few moments of silence, we, we pray, we ask, we beg that you would speak. That we would hear your voice, both for our church and for each of us as individuals. Hear our prayers, Lord.
Lord, we believe you are not done with us. You're never done with us. You're never done making us new. You're not done with us as individuals, and you're certainly not done with this church. God, you have been faithful to this church for 50-plus years. You continue to call us to new things, to open our eyes to new opportunities. God, help us to hear your voice, to walk in courage, walk with boldness into these areas that you are calling us as a church and as individuals. God, think about the people around us in this room right now. Strengthen our relationships, Lord. Lord, that we would know we're not alone. We're not walking this journey of life alone. Strengthen our relationships. Strengthen, Lord, the work that we do together. God, we thank you that you have called us to new life in Christ. And we look forward to the opportunities to come as we serve you and listen to your voice. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand for our closing song.